Hello, everybody. This is Gino Johnson, CEO of Champions for Veterans, and I am so excited to say welcome and thank you so much for listening to another episode of Convos with Heroes, where we talk to have conversations with heroes who have these big hearts who really make a difference in this world. Today, we have another special guest in Paul. Paul, help me help me say your last name. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's no problem. That's a tough one. It's Makowitz. Paul Makowitz. Paul Makowitz. Excited to share a little bit about him and uh, hear his story. Uh, of course, I want to go ahead and say hey to my dad and welcome him on as well. <laughs> All right, son. Thank you, Paul. Hey, I'm excited to have a great another American hero here today to talk about, about convos with heroes. So let's rock and roll, son. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, man, I'm excited to go ahead and welcome Paul and hear his story. So uh, just to give you guys an introduction to who Paul is. You know, Paul is a founder of Hashtag Smart and an Army veteran. After finding his way into the digital marketing marketing industry, working at two different Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies, Paul struck out on his own. Now he helps small businesses get a true understanding of their clients' behavior and uses that information to create highly effective digital marketing strategies. Welcome out, Paul. How you doing, sir? <laughs> oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. I'm uh, happy to be here and. Uh... Happy to uh, you know be able to just just you know sh- shoot shoot it with you guys for a little bit. Uh, in- enjoy the middle of my day. We are a fast growing, fast moving, highly adaptive uh, marketing company. So it is nice sometimes to just get to sit down and have a nice little conversation with some people. Agree, man. Deal, man. I agree with that. You know, I appreciate you. You uh, opened up a little your schedule a little bit to come and talk to us, man. So we, we look forward to hearing your story. So just tell us, tell us about who you are. Who is who is Paul? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm a, I'm a I'm an interesting cat. We'll say that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. So uh, uh, when I say I'm from New York, people always immediately think, oh, he's from the city. No, no, I'm like practically Canadian. Um, so Buffalo for me, growing up, the big city was always Toronto and I grew up in a little bit of the burbs. Like, so when I was there, there's cornfields across the street. Now there's just subdivisions all over and everything along those lines. But, um, you know, it was always like an athletic, pretty smart kid kind of had my stuff together and, uh, and just never, never do what I wanted to do. You know, uh, I, I thought I was going to play in the NBA until I stopped growing at, you know, five, nine and, you know, as a senior, you know, still wasn't working out. So, you know, I, I went to school and uh, I changed my major four times as a freshman. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, and I was uh, I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods in their golf department. And I met an army recruiter there. <laughs> so uh, a few months later, uh, really after, you know, trudging my way through through my first year of college, I just showed up at my parents' house and said, hey, you know, I joined the army. I'm leaving two weeks, you know. Uh, it shocked them. shocked all my friends. Didn't discuss it with anybody. I just knew that. I didn't have any direction in my life. I knew I had, I needed something that was going to point me in a direction. And, um, and also that college money, you know, certainly wasn't going to hurt. I knew that, you know, an education was important to, to figure this out, but, uh, I enlisted and, and, you know, hopped on a plane, I shot off to Fort Sill. I was uh, in Oklahoma for a little while, did all my basic in AIT. And then it was funny when, when they were giving out duty stations and everything, they gave me Fort Polk. And I was like, Fort Polk, where, where is Fort Polk? <laughs> so my, my drill sergeant, <laughs> my drill sergeant got a little laugh at me, not even, not even knowing where it was. Cause you know, they let you fill out that little dream sheet. And my dream sheet was like, yeah, send me to Colorado, send me to Hawaii, send me to Japan. And I was like, you know what? Worst case scenario, send me to Fort Drum, send me to upstate New York, cold winter. Nobody wants to go there. Worst case scenario, I'll at least be in New York. 
I have friends and family all over. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I get Fort Polk, Louisiana. So I'm in the backwoods of Louisiana. Got to my duty station. I was part of the second ACR. Uh, and I was a computer operator for field artillery. So I was, I was the smart guy with the gun bunnies here. So whenever you needed something blown up, you'd have the Fort observers or, or uh, some infantrymen. They'd call back to my unit. Uh, RTO would take a call for fire. I'd put it into a computer system, you know, judge for the drift of the round, judge for uh, humidity or uh, precipitation knockdown. Now, Paul, hold on, man. You smart. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> We're going to have civilians look at this and they won't know what fire direction center, RTO. <laughs> Uh, they, they don't know what fire for effect. They don't. They don't know about angles and this and that. So you got to break this down. Yeah, you making it. And my son's like, I, I know he probably don't know. I knew. I knew everything you was talking about. So you got to make this conversation for people that don't know anything about it and just give them flat out what you did. You mean you 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 don't want some Willie Pete downrange? You want you got some? <laughs> yeah, Willie Pete. They don't know about that. Willie uh, yeah, so Pete fire for effect. <laughs> Hey veterans, did you realize that most veterans are at least 30% underrated on their VA disability rating? That may be you. If it is, I want to teach you the Ranger method. So go to championsforveterans.com and schedule a free consultation today. Listen, I was that guy. You see the uniform, retired U.S. Army Ranger and Green Beret. When I retired, I was at 10% disability with 120 jumps out of airplanes and a jacked up back. So I want to help you. Don't waste time. Go there now, championsforveterans.com, and schedule a free consultation. This is Ranger Johnson telling you to stay in the fight. Basically, uh, what I mean by this is uh, you've got you've got the people out there doing, you know, kicking down doors and, and uh, mm -hmm. when they would receive, um, say, like fire from from a, a hilltop or something along those lines, they would call back to an RTO is the, the telephone operator. Basically, you can think of it that way. They take this. They tell them, you know, hey, it's you know north northwest. It's about two thousand meters. I take that information, put it into a computer system, make sure we're not blowing up anything we're not supposed to. I call down to, uh, I, I figure out the data and exactly, you know, how many cranks. The best way to think of like a howitzer is you turn the right crank and it goes up and down. You turn the left crank, it goes left and right, you know, it gives you that 360 degree ability to, to make fires and then to, to call for fire. And then you have gunpowder bags in different color bags. And depending on the amount of uh, gunpowder that's in it, that's going to determine how far it's going to go, you know, the how... Uh, how steep that angle is that you have on that howitzer, that's going to determine, you know, uh, how much you're going to get knocked out or, or when you fire around, uh, it's, it's going to spin to the right as it's coming out of that howitzer. And so it's going to drift to the right. And so you're, you're doing all these calculations. You got one person that's over there doing it by, by hand on paper and going off charts. And then you got me, I'm over here on the computer packing away. Uh, we, we double check our numbers and then we call down to the, the guys that are on the cranks down there on the howitzers and we tell them you know uh 36 cranks right you know 26 cranks let me jump in because i'm gonna move you on because people brains are getting smoked but i do want to ask you this question <laughs> when you get that information how long by standard did you have when that you get that radio call to get that to the gunners and have a round going down range give me the time 
I mean, we're, we're looking at 20 to 30 seconds. I mean, it's, it's quick. Yeah. It's fast. It's fast. I mean, I know that sometimes it would come down, we'd have it in the teens. We'd have it in low teens of boom, tap the type away, shoot it off. And then that, that, that round's going down range. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but I'll, I'll move on from it a little bit. But that's actually what I did in the military. And, uh, yeah. you know, I got to Fort Polk, Louisiana. Two months later, I was in Iraq. So it was wow. it was real, real quick. Um, you know, I was a, was a 19, 20-year-old kid. Uh, you know, I like to, to say I was a young, dumb kid. And, and you know, that was a real steep learning curve right there, the, those first few months. But uh, I spent a little over a year in Iraq. I spent time as a, as a driver, and uh, I spent time on gun towers, spent a lot of time uh, training the Iraqi police and the Iraqi military on, on how to, how to um, you know, provide security forces for us after we did leave eventually. And I was up right, right, in, Bag- right in Baghdad. I was right in northeast Baghdad, which is a little town called Sadr City or Al Thada. So, um, very interesting year of my life. Um, I, I did. Uh, mm. I did get to plan out my my leave. So they let you take two weeks of leave when you're deployed over there, and I got to plan out my leave perfectly around my 21st birthday. So I got home and pretty much spent two straight weeks on a on a bender, uh, trying to forget about the fact that I had just spent you know 11 months in Iraq. Got back, uh, and then I got extended twice. So. Uh, initially, I was supposed to be there for for six months. That went to nine months, and then even at twelve months, when we were supposed to come back, we had uh, one last convoy that had to go back to back into Baghdad from Kuwait. And you know, I was there with a bunch of married guys, and uh, I was not. I was a young single kid, and I was basically like, "Yeah, you guys go home. I'll I'll do this last one." And so, me and two other guys, we actually didn't even get to come back with our unit. We we had to come back a whole month later after doing one last convoy. But in, yeah. in getting back, um, I knew pretty quickly that, you know, the military life wasn't for me. It was it was a stepping stone in my career. And, and mm-hmm. I always saw that as totally fine. I mean, I, I'm a, a third generation military guy. My grandfather was in World War II. My, my dad, um, you know, he was a National Guard in the 70s. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I took a lot of pride in that. But I also knew this wasn't a career for me. And so even in getting back, I, I let them know, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not re-enlisting. And they were moving my entire unit to, to Washington State. So they had to find something to do with me for another year and a half. <laughs> uh, luckily for me, Fort so Polk, I, so, so I got quick. Let me interject real quick. Yeah. This is in- incredible because, first off, I got I got to cover a couple of things that you did talk about. Let me kind of jump in here. Uh, great story, by the way. Uh, I, I do live in Louisiana, so I'm going to warn you uh i live in south louisiana not fort pope but i've been there and it and and it is rough i mean no doubt about it it's uh i've, I've been there as a veteran going down there and it uh, compared to fort bragg north carolina a lot of places i've been it's like 50 years behind i'm i'll say that now and i do live in louisiana and i stand by what i say so uh but but it must have been a culture shock man coming from new york to, to, you know, Fort Polk, Louisiana. H- how was that getting used to the culture and everything else? Yeah, and, and all I'll say, I loved it. I, I, I love me yeah. some some gumbo. I love, uh, I, I yeah. found out I like crawfish, you know. I like, yeah. uh, you know, I was, I was, I was always one for, for experiencing as much as I can. And truly, like the rest of my life story really speaks to that. Is a, you know, if there's an opportunity that's placed in front of me, um, even if it's not, you know, most people would look at it and say, like, oh, you're like, that's gotta be rough, man. That's gonna be tough. Like, 
I was always making the most of it. I mean, I was, I had fun no matter what. I got to know some of these ladies that, um, that I was in. Well, at, after my unit left, I, I did the joint readiness training center. So the JRTC, which yeah. just so people know, this is, uh, if you're getting deployed overseas, especially to Iraq uh, or the Middle East, you generally go through JRTC first. And what is this basically a real quick introduction into what life is going to be like over there. So I got to grow as much of a beard as I could at the time. I wore a, wore a little white man dress and some, some what's called miles gear, which is basically laser tag. And uh, I got to run around and, and scream at the training soldiers in whatever Arabic I remembered and, uh, you know, try to discombobulate them, you know, uh, and it was basically playing war games. And so that's what I did for the last year and a half. I was then was playing war games, but being in Louisiana, I got to meet some absolutely amazing people there. Cause we had a bunch of civilians that would come in and, and participate in these drills with us. And, you know, they'd be cooking for us that, you know, we'd get these awesome meals to the point where, uh, you know, I, I'd go in and hang out with some of them, you know, when we weren't out in the field anymore, you know, every once in a while, because a lot of my friends got, you know, got shipped off to, to Washington state. So there wasn't a whole lot of us left around that, you know, told them, Hey, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not going to reenlist. So, uh, that, that local community in Louisiana, I, I thought those people were amazing. I, I really enjoyed the city of Lake Charles. Uh, I spent a lot of time in New Orleans, uh, went to, went to two different Mardi Gras down there. So, I mean, I made the most of it. Uh, it's, it's kind of a Absolutely. running thing, running theme of my life is just to make the most of it. Yeah. Uh, but so jump me forward. So I, I love that. I, I'm on the second motion. I live in Louisiana. The food is incredible down here. Uh, like you, I've traveled literally all over the country and uh, it's phenomenal. So look, look, let's fast forward a little bit. So you, you're going to get out of the military. You make that decision and you, you, you finally get out. Uh, what take me through getting out and then the path to where you are today? What happened? Yeah, it was, it was um, it was a little tough. So I, I went to Atlanta right off the bat. For okay. one, I, I knew I didn't want to go back to back up north. Uh, I'm not a big fan of snow, even though I, I grew up in Buffalo where there's lots of snow. Uh, so I went to Atlanta, and when I was in the military, I, I played a ton of golf. Um, I mean, you can imagine, you know, not having a unit for a year and a half. I, I had some time on my hands. Uh, I got real good. I became a golf pro. Became a golf professional for for about two years. Oh, it wow. was it was amazing. It was the best job ever. Uh, problem is, I just couldn't make any money doing it. You know, I was given I was giving golf lessons every day. I was you know I was playing 180 rounds a year. I was pretty good. You know, I was you know my handicap was you know sub two for for quite a while. Um, it's great, but if you're, unless you're like you know playing competitively or uh, anything along those lines, like it's it's a tough industry to really uh, make it make a living doing right and so i i eventually getting ended up going back into retail i worked for dick sporting goods for a long time and uh this kind of brings back around the, the education side so when i got out of the military mm -hmm. i i started going to college right away you know let's go right. use, use that gi bill use that army college fund and so when i enlisted i got the army college fund i scored the top one percent on the asvab that's why i got to be computer operator so the asvab for anybody else out there it's just the armed services vocational aptitude battery basically it's like what qualifies you for different jobs in the military so now, the, Paul, hold on a minute you score in the top one percent dude yeah what dude yeah. i scored in the top in in the bottom one percent i had to retake <laughs> that thing i had to retake that thing about five times and make scores good enough to be a green beret man you're making me feel bad I've never talked to a guy scored the top one. I was in the bottom, bottom one. But I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm having a good time. All right. So you got that. You're in school. Go ahead. 
Well, what was funny is, uh, so when I got that score, my, my recruiter was like, oh, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, great. What do you have for two years? And he's like, nothing you want. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm like, what do you got for three years? And he's like, well, you know, how about computer operator for field, for artillery? I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can, I'm, I'm a good guy in a computer. I can design some stuff. I had no idea really what I was getting into, but so, so I qualified for, you know, army college fund on top of the GI bill plus got a little cash. Like they threw like a lot of good stuff at me to, for my enlistment. But when I got out and I started going to school, um, I mean, to make the, this kind of like long story short, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at math, like 33,000 army college fund plus the GI bill was about 28,000. I was like, yeah, that's, you know, 60, 62,000 or something divided by 36 months. It's about two grand a month. Like, okay, cool. I can go to like basically whatever school I want, not have to work, not have to, you know, I've, I was figuring this out. I get my first check. Cause at that time was before they, they changed it to the post 9-11 GI bill. Um, I get my first check and it's like half of that. And I was like, oh man, somebody messed up the numbers here. And I'm, I'm calling people and I'll never forget the sweet Southern lady's voice. And she goes, you know, you're not the first soldier I've ever told. You won't be the last, but you were deceived by your contract that that 33,000 is actually a combination of both. And I was like, Oh hell no, it was not. I did not <laughs> spend three years of my life for $33,000. You know, I, I'm, I'm all, you guys are paying for all of my college money. I go, who else do I talk to? Ended up taking me four years of cussing out congressmen, colonels, general, any person I could get myself in front of that, uh, that I had just spent three years of my life uh, fighting for this and and then you know getting half the amount of college money I thought I was supposed to get. Right. Four years later, uh, after I had just about given up, I mean, I was right to the review board and I found people that in my case had, had gotten it, gotten their military records corrected to where they got that money. And I'm like, what's the difference between this person and me? And they're like, well, you know, we had money then, we don't now. Uh, the finance part was sending me to Veterans Affairs, Veterans Affairs sending me back to finance. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible, horrible. So um, after about four years, I'd just about given up. Like, I didn't know who else to go to, who else to talk to, you know, contact the ACLU. They didn't give a crap. You know, it was, um, I finally just get a letter and they say, hey, uh, we, we found some money for people in your situation. You know, we're so glad that you fought for this. Uh, you know, all you have to do is fill out this other stack of paperwork, you know, <laughs> to start doing. So uh, I go through and I do all that. And, um, you know, I got interviewed by USA Today about it all. So, so generally when you Google my name, it's one of the first things that comes up is like soldier, soldier finally sticks it back to the military. <laughs> like, uh, it's my, my little fighting back. But um, after all said and done, uh, there was, it was just about every army college fund uh, financial adjustment on top of the GI bill from 1993 to like 2007 was affected by this. Uh, and so it was over 200,000 people were impacted by it. The amount of us that actually, yeah, the amount of us that actually fought it all the way through and got that check at the end was only about 700. So yeah, pretty crazy to think of, but yeah, you know, end of the day, what sucked was, you know, I started going to Kennesaw state, which is right outside Atlanta, really nice school uh didn't have money to go there anymore you know then it, then it became like oh do i take out college loans i'm working so i ended up leaving that school going to a going to a tech school i'm taking night classes working full-time this was not like the dream that i envisioned when right. i when i joined the military like hey let's go get college paid for it and it just didn't work out um you know i'm still a little bitter but you know i try to let things go uh but you know eventually they they sent me that money um but it was, it was four years later and I'd already left this, you know, 
big university and taking night classes and gotten my gotten my associates and you know I'm, I'm still working full time. It was just a it was a pain. I got that money. All that money really did was you know pay off some of the college loans I did have to take out and paid off some of the car that I had. But you know, end of the day, I mean, I I'm still paying college loans. You know, I'm paying them off nice and slow at this point, but. Um, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest situation for me, but and to, to kind of circle it all back around, became a golf pro, started working for Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, I lost my grandfather who I was very close to up in, up in New York. So I went back home yeah. for a bit, you know, as, as a lot of guys do, a lot of single guys do in their mid twenties. I was like, you know what, let's, let's head back for a bit. Um, I was in Buffalo for about two, three years and, and said, you know, this really sucks. I hate the snow. I don't want to be up here. I was a meandering kid. Uh, so I called my sister who was living out in New Mexico. And I was like, oh, I got like 10,000 bucks to my name. I'm just going to go out there. I'll figure it out. And so I just jumped in my car, drove to New Mexico. I was playing golf with a guy and uh, he had an idea for a scooter rental company. And I was like, you know, I'm in, why not? I bought, bought about 20 scooters uh, with my own money opened up five little pop-up shops through all of New Mexico. I was in Santa Fe and Ruidoso and Albuquerque. And, and, uh, so, you know, we, I show up to, you know, like a cool event, like, like a, a carnival, like a, a town fair or anything like that, you know, with a pickup truck full of scooters, rent out scooters. And I buy them for about 450, 500 bucks. And I'd rent them off like eight, 800 or uh, about 80 bucks a day. So, you know, it, I'd pay for that scooter and, you know, a week and a half, two weeks, then everything on top of that was profit. And I was, you know, just a struggling entrepreneur living out of my car, practically uh, <laughs> driving all over the state, um, you know, just, just hustling, trying, trying to make right. this business work. Right. Uh, yeah, I did that for about a year, year and a half. Um, I learned a lot about marketing. I learned a lot about how to, how to use the internet to start getting people to pay attention to you. Uh, I learned a, a lot about those, um, the struggles of being a small business owner. Wow. So take it, take, take us from that man to like, cause right now I know your business is very successful. So you did all that and fast forward to you starting what you're doing right now. Tell us the, you know, the genesis of that, how it got started, the idea and what led you to doing this. Cause right now you're blowing and going, man. Yeah, man. I, I think the, the one thing that I hope my story does for some people is tells them like, it's okay to not figure it out for a little bit. You know, I, I didn't start, hashtag smart until I was uh, so what, about 35 ish uh, up until that time. And I'd been a golf pro. I'd worked for Dick Sporting Goods. I had a scooter company. And then I went to New York City. I worked for Main Street Hub, which was the largest social media management, reputation management company in the U.S. And when I got there, I was maybe like the 15th person in that office. When I left two years later, there was over 300 people on that floor. I was managing about 50 people. We were an Inc. Wow. 500 fastest growing company two years in a row. Uh, I was able to take, you know, my, my relatability and, and understanding the struggles of being a small business owner to be being, you know, one of the top salespeople in that entire company. And so I was living in, living in New York city, working right in Times Square, uh, you know, talking to small business owners and golf courses all day about, about their online marketing and Hey, why aren't you on Facebook? Why, you know, why aren't you on Twitter? What, you know, what's, what's going on with your website? Um, and, and I got to see kind of like the, the social media and the reputation side of it. So like, you know, getting good reviews and how to answer those reviews and how to build a community around your brand online and things like that. And then I, I met the, uh, the future wife in New York city there. So she had gotten a, a dream job offer down in, in Miami. I was ready to leave the cold again. Uh, I, I usually only get about, <laughs> about a year or two in, in that cold and I'm ready to jet. So, uh, so off we went to Miami. 
And uh, I went down there and uh, I started working with another marketing company, which did website design and search engine optimization, uh, mostly for attorneys. So now I, I'm getting this kind of full scope idea of what digital marketing is. It's not just your social media or your website. It's not just the reviews you get or you know how high you are on Google. It's how all of these different aspects of your, your online presence really work together. And there, there wasn't, really, um, wasn't really any companies out there that were looking at it full scope like that. There's, you, know, you talk to people and they're like, oh, yeah, I got a website guy and I got, I got my social media girl and I, I got my SEO guy. And they're using all these different companies and nobody was, was giving these businesses kind of like a full scope idea of like, oh, if you write a blog, then you better be you know, highlighting that blog on your social media. And if you're posting on your Facebook, it might as well be going on your Google business listing. And you know, what is your LinkedIn saying about you? What's the emotional connection that you're conveying to people about your business in that first 10 seconds that they see you? And so I, I got a, when I came out here to LA, I opened up an office for that company that was based out of Miami. And uh, in about two years, I was like, no, I'm tired of making money for other people. Like, uh, I, I can do this. Like my scooter company was relatively successful. I'm not going to say it was, you know, gangbusters, but you know, it right. taught me a lot and it, it, uh, it got that entrepreneurial juices flowing. Yeah. So when I got out here, I started my own company. Eventually. I helped them set up that office and, and then I broke off on my own. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this for about two, well, a little over two years now, I guess almost two and a half years now. And, uh, We've been going, growing like crazy, even through COVID. Um, the, the only clients I've ever lost have been uh, some restaurant groups, but yeah. you know, that was during that was during COVID. And, you know, not not a whole lot I could do to control that. But right. every single every single attorney I work with, doctor I work with, chiropractor, um, medical marijuana dispensary, like all these different companies that I work with, uh, I I'm able to to kind of give them that full three sixty view of their online presence, and then I, I spent quite a bit of money with some developers to to build this dashboard that I you know I'm, I'm very proud of because it it pulls your reviews in from all these different sources and you can answer them right through the dashboard and you don't have to go to Yelp and go to Google and go to Facebook and, you know if you want to post on your social media you hook them all in and you hit five buttons and boom it's on your LinkedIn it's on your Twitter it's on your Instagram it's on your Facebook you know uh, I really wanted to build like a very efficient online presence management system hey veterans did you realize that most veterans are at least 30% underrated on their VA disability rating? That may be you. If it is, I want to teach you the Ranger method. So go to championsforveterans.com and schedule a free consultation today. Listen, I was that guy. You see the uniform. Retired U.S. Army Ranger and Green Beret. When I retired, I was at 10% disability with 120 jumps out of airplanes and a jacked up back. So I want to help you. Don't waste time. Go there now, championsforveterans.com and schedule a free consultation. This is Ranger Johnson telling you to stay in the fight. Let me, let me yeah. say this, man. It's amazing we're having this conversation. My son and I have had this conversation this morning about our stuff and then my wife we run a business too and i'm gonna tell you straight up paul i'm gonna give you straight up brother my issue with it people and i've owned a business uh, for over 20 years and every it person that i've ever had has been good smart but not dependable oh. and it's like if you could get one source to just do stuff be on time be professional not i say i'm gonna have it in two weeks 
and a month later you don't have it. And I, it's 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 like it makes me want to scream dealing with the IT world because I, you know, owned my own business for over 20 years. You know, I had a website when nobody had a website, and <laughs> but but the person that built it was phenomenal. And then they got busy and got another client, got another client, got another client. And before you know it, they can't keep up. And so sounds like you figured this thing out, brother. And I want to just ask you a question, really, because it's like, so what do you do if I'm XYZ company? Say I come to you and just like I'm talking right now, let's say, for instance, uh, you know, I'm one of your lawyers and I don't know anything about it, but I got a great practice. And I come to you. Take me through the steps that you would do for Ranger Johnson's law firm to help help me. Well, I'll I'll conceptualize it for you. One of the things I talk a lot about, which is called ZMOD, it's called the zero moment of truth. I'm not I'm not going to get into the full marketing side, but that's what I'm classically educated in is in marketing. Yeah. So there was always, if you think of like Mad Men, like the whole idea of that show is like awareness. It's like how do people know who know about me? How you know, people that don't know who I am? How do I introduce them to who I am? And then there's the shelf, which is, you know, I see that commercial for, you know, some cereal online. I go to the store, I pick up that box of cereal. That was always the first moment of truth. And then the the second moment of truth is the experience. So, you know, I ate those Lucky Charms. They were delicious. I'm going to tell everybody about it. You know, that like that was traditional marketing. Now we all have these computers in our pocket. So now we have this comparison step. Uh, the, The phrase I use with my clients all the time is like, be prepared to be compared. Because now if I'm aware of you, I'm aware of 10 other businesses that are just like you. And I'm going to look online and I'm going to judge real quick. You know, we are the Netflix generation. We are the Amazon generation. I don't watch three-star movies. I don't buy three-star products. If I see a law firm that's three stars, I'm not going to consider you. And so immediately in that comparison step, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at three or four other guys. I better have some reason that I'm going to choose you or contact you over those other guys real quick. And so that's the very first thing I do is I sit down and I say, okay, one, you got some problems here. On your Google, you're a 3.5 and the guy right down the street's 4.0. We got to get you some reviews. We got to pump you up. Why aren't you answering those reviews? I know if, if little Molly Sue over here said, hey, you were the best attorney I ever saw, you wouldn't turn your back and walk away. Why aren't you answering that? Why aren't you engaging with that person? Why aren't you building a relationship with them so that they refer you out to that next person that, that comes to them and says, hey, you know, do you have a lawyer for me? Or, or uh, on, on top of that, like, why aren't you taking advantage of every... Uh, aspect of your Google business listing. Why don't you have 50 pictures up there of you handing big checks to people? Why aren't you showing off this big, beautiful office you have? Why aren't you showing these smiling faces of all your clients or, or your personnel so that people have an idea of what they're going to experience when they work with your business? This comparison step is absolutely huge. Like I can't, I can't express enough how important this aspect of digital marketing is, and it's completely overlooked by so many businesses. The amount of attorneys and doctors I talk to that are like, oh, I'm spending 20 grand a month in paid ads. And then I look at them online. I'm like, you don't have a single good picture out there. You don't have like, why am I going to choose you? Even if I click on your ad, there's, there's, your ad is going to take me to a page where I'm going to see three of your competitors. And I'm going to see you're the worst looking one of them. All you did was you paid Google for me to go to your competitor. And that's a really, really poor use of your marketing dollars. Like, let's let's fix this baby up. Let's you know get you crawling before you can walk, and get you walking before, and then we'll start running. You know, uh, so it's it's really conceptualizing that for a lot of these businesses because so many of them you know built their website ten years ago and they're like, good, it's fine. I'm like, is it like 
is that the that's the emotional connection you want to build with that guy? You want the very first thing to see you and, and the the haircut you had 15 years ago, and and yeah. you know this tiny little staff. Like, let's show them who you are. Let's let's be authentic online. Let's show them, you know, genuinely why they should choose you. And and I I pull these differentiating factors out of them. It's like I'll talk to an attorney, like you know what sets what sets you apart, and they're like, oh, you know, I do personal injury. I'm like, great. So does everyone else. What sets you apart? To go out. I do free consultations. I'm like, great. So does everyone else. What sets you apart? I have to like pull these things out of them. And then I highlight those things on their website and on their homepage. Like uh, I got this one attorney. He, he does talks for uh, like the local community that do this after school uh, program at the police station. And he goes and talks to them about chasing their dreams. And he was a a poor immigrant kid and came over here. That's a story. That's something people can relate to. He gives backpacks to that local community, like highlighting those types of things. And, and, I really take a lot of pride in finding high character clients and just that aren't accentuating those, those attributes about themselves online and helping them do that. So that I know that they're going to serve that guy way better than that ambulance chaser, you know, attorney. I want to accentuate this. Let let me ask you a question because you're giving out a lot of juice, man. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm that guy too. I'm full of energy and juice and I'm, I'm feeling you right now, brother. And you know what? I'm going to be straight up with you. A lot of marketing guys that I talk to, you, you got more juice than they do. That's the bottom line. I'm serious. You you got it. You got it. You got you got 10x kind of juice. So in, in that comparison, you're there. But okay, say a client gets on with you, and I got it. I'm so right now. I'm I'm Ranger Johnson's attorney firm. You ain't got to sell me no more. I'm sold. This is my question, and I need this answer, brother. I need an answer in a major way. Ranger Johnson attorney firm links up with Paul. Okay, is it, I mean, how much contact am I going to have with your people? Is it a, you pay a fee and once a month you do this, or, hey, I'm trying to call you now and I can't get up with you. Ain't nobody answering emails. I'm just telling you my experience with guys like you over 20 years. And I'm telling you straight up, brother, it ain't been good. It's, as a matter of fact, I've had super smart, great people do stuff. They do it, and then you can't get up with them for three weeks. And then, by the way, they're gone. And then now you got to try to redo what they do. They do this and that. And I'm serious. I, I love marketing people. Y'all sell a great product, your great energy. But when it comes down to, I'm all, I'm all grunt. Okay, if, if, if you say we're going to talk Wednesday at 3 o'clock, or however you do it, is that going to happen? Or is it going to be, sorry, bro, I'm busy going to the next one. See, tell me about that part of it. How, how do clients get back up with you? And are you accountable? And do you have a schedule? Because most marketing people can sell you something, but they don't have a schedule where you can get back up with them to verify. Talk to me about how you do that. Technology, man. First off, yeah, my entire company knows the Army Corps values. That, that's what's hilarious. I got, I have uh, my my right hand man. He's from uh, he's from uh, the Philippines. He sits right next to me most days here. He's out at lunch right now. He knows the Army Corps values. I got, I have a social media creative director in, in Texas. She knows the Army Corps values. These aren't military people at all, but we run our company integrity, selfless service, honor. Every time their phone rings, they are directed that they have to pick it up. If they can't pick it up, they immediately text that client and tell them, hey, I'm not available right now. I will call you as soon as I am. We 
I, I drill that into my people. Here's, here's the, here's the way to use technology though. Every single one of my emails, and you can even go to zmotexpert.com and click on it, it says Paul's calendar. I'm a, I'm a calendar follower. If I, if it's not on my calendar, it does not exist. The reason I'm talking to you guys today right now is because this was in my calendar. So every single one of my clients has access to my calendar. If you need me, if, if it's something my team can't handle, and in most cases, my team can handle things. But if you, you want to talk strategy, you want to talk plans, you want to talk character and attributes that we can use and change things up a little bit, add a little freshness to your campaign, you grab 30 minutes of my calendar and you have my dedicated attention for 30 minutes. Shoot me an email. You know, our rule is we respond to every email within 24 hours. But also I know like some people just shoot an email, say I miss it, say I somehow missed that email and I didn't catch it. Every single email that you've ever received from me says Paul's calendar, right? Right next to my picture, right in that footer. You click that, you just grab a time on my calendar, man. Like that's technology oh, oh, is here to make our lives I'm easier. Paul, I'm falling in love with you, man. <laughs> I left my wife, been married 30 years. But you know, it's amazing. I'm, we're talking to you on this combo yeah. with heroes because I'm going to let my son say something. One of my biggest frustrations in running a business is dealing with IT people. And I love y'all, but finding one that's just going to be structured, disciplined, follow up, get back with you, it is frustrating. I can't tell you. You can tell by I'm talking now. We've we've been on this for like two hours this morning. You get a little fired up. You get a little fired up over there. <laughs> jump in, son, and, and ask Paul some questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jump in right there. Yeah, 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 man. He definitely is. Uh, he's fired up about this one. We we've we've had a couple conversations. That is for sure. But uh, but man, Paul, you know, I think it's amazing. Like what you just shared uh, about the Army Corps values and how everybody knows it. I think that's just one of those things that you know you learn in the military. You can now you can use that in the civilian world and just create a business that now is just thriving and growing. And that's really, that's really incredible, man. What, what I want to ask is, can you give us a story of, of somebody that you've helped or somebody you've done marketing for and that you, how you've seen their business go from where it was to just growth that they, you know, that's, they're just always thanking you for. Yeah. I, I got, I mean, I got a few of them. I got probably about 20 of them. Um, <laughs> one of my fa- one of my favorites though is uh, this doctor I started working with and, and he's a holistic doctor. So pretty competitive, uh, pretty competitive, like uh, area practice, but where, where we were struggling was what is your thing? Like what that the strategy side and the psychology of, of buying decisions, it's, it's huge for me. It's, it's one reason I actually friends like giant a pain as like some of these social media and, and big search engine companies are like Google's my favorite one. And the reason I'll say that is like your Google business listing and I'll, you know, piggyback off this, you know, your Yelp listing is all, they're so incredibly important because that's generally the very first imp- impression somebody has of your business. So if yeah. you look up hashtag smart marketing on Google and you see my Google business listing, you'll see right on there, all the products we offer, the services we offer, easy ways to contact me, the fact that we're a veteran owned business, like all of those key attributes that are important to me to convey to my you know, prospective clients, I put on there. Uh, if anybody's searching on an iPhone, you know, you can say, hey, Siri, you know, find me a marketing company. All that data comes from Yelp. And so one of the big things I tell my clients is like, if you're not looking good on your Google business listing and you're not looking good on your Yelp, you know, that's that's the entry point. Those are, your, those are the lowest hanging fruit. Those are absolutely free. You don't need to hire a marketing company. You just get on there. You do it. I got a webinar uh, on, on my website, zmonexpert.com. You go to that webinar. It'll tell you how to optimize your GMB. 
And GMB is just Google My Business. It's like your Google business listing. It's 100% free. Go do that tomorrow. That's the best best advice I could give a, a business. The next thing is uh, you're asking about a story. And, and I was running into some issues with this doctor where he just would not give me uh, any of the reasons why I should choose him. I was having a real hard time, even personally. And I connect with people pretty well. And I was having a hard time like finding an emotional connection to him. And finally, I was like, okay, man what's the last movie you saw? I said, oh, I just did a movie marathon with my kids. We watched all the Harry Potters. I'm like, oh, you like Harry Potter? It's like, yes. Yeah. He's like, I love Harry Potter. We dressed up as Hogwarts people like last Halloween. I was like, oh, send me a picture. Da-da. And this guy didn't realize it, but I was like scraping that information out. I was, I was finding that. And uh, so then we started, we started doing a little campaign talking about uh, like comparing different practices that he does in his, with his holistic medicine with like Harry Potter and spells and stuff. And we basically turned this guy into the, the holistic Harry Potter doctor. Now he had this whole new persona that he could play with online where, you know, people could immediately form an emotional connection with him. Luckily, Harry Potter is beloved by millions and millions of people. It's a real easy in, but it was something that this guy didn't even think about like, Oh wow. Like I can turn my passions into ways to attract new people into my business. Like, so many people are, are stuck with this with this tunnel vision of like, oh, I got to do the thing that everyone else is doing. Oh, like everyone's doing PPC. I got to do PPC. Everybody's posting like the, the winning cases that they got on their Instagram. I got to do that too. And I try to like kind of break the mold on someone when I say like, hey, what's what's funny about you? You know, with, with the 2020 election kind of really changing the algorithms on social media and how much like actual exposure you can get as a business, there's really only one thing that works, works now. And that's being funny being humorous. So I'll, I'll ask my clients sometimes like, Hey, what's one thing that people like think that you do, but is very different than what you actually do. And I get some, some awesome answers from them. And then I take that partner it up with like a, a funny meme picture and do like what, what people think I do versus what I actually do. And it's like the best social post they've had in three, four years. And they're like, Oh, that's how this works. Like, you know, you, you really gotta, you gotta dig that information. You gotta ask the right questions. Uh, but to, to kind of piggyback what you were saying over there, uh, about you know how do you get the most out of your marketing company and get them to pay attention to you, you should 100% be a pain in their ass for the first 30 to 60 days. I welcome my new clients to be in my ear, to be blowing me up. I want you to trust me. I want you to feel comfortable with me. And if that means that you need lots of attention, you know, it, it's no joke that the squeaky wheel gets, gets the oil. Like you got, you got to, you got to be sure that I know your concerns and, and don't just sit back and go, Oh, this marketing company is doing it for me. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever hired like a virtual assistant, but there's a very important rule of virtual assistants for every one hour of your life. You want them to save you. You have to train them at least five hours. So, and, and to, to think that obviously that hour over time is going to you know give you exponential benefit down the road. But you got to think of your marketing company the same way. You got to really put in like five times the amount of uh, paying attention to them in the first 30, 60, 90 days. Now, you know, three, four months down the road, you don't got to worry that much. You know, they know you. They've they've got an understanding of who you are as a, as a human being and, and what your business is and what they represent. And it's much easier for, for my company to portray you online once I have like that in-depth knowledge about you, I mean, yeah. granted, it's, it's also my responsibility as the marketer to really drag that information out of you, but it's also your responsibility as a business. You're paying me to do a job. And if, you, if you're not giving me the, the required inputs on my end, my output's never going to be as good. 
So you, you really got to think of it kind of both ways and, and really think of your marketing company, like you're training a VA, you know, you got to put in that time early, get them trained up on who you are and what works for you. And then you can let them go. Wow. 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 That's awesome. Mm. Mm. Great nuggets. Man. Great nuggets, Paul. <laughs> Man. This is therapy for me today, Paul. You're giving me therapy, brother. After the conversation <laughs> I had with my son this morning about marketing people, marketing and stuff, dude. You, 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 I mean, look, I, I'm coming to church of marketing today, brother. I appreciate it. You're helping me. That's awesome. More, more than happy to. I think I think the um, messages like this, like messages about uh I, th- I think the, the entire service industry. So let me let me qualify this a little bit. My wife works in high, high-end hospitality. She works for like some of the best hotels around the country. She, you know, from New York City to Miami to Los Angeles, she's been at some of the top, top hotels. She's got the, the greatest Rolodex you will ever see. Wow. What I've learned from her in particular is how important service and not only service, but anticipatory service is. I mean, she knows she's got high-end guests coming in. They've got a, and they've got a birthday coming up or a kid's birthday. There's balloons in that room. There's cupcakes there. She's thinking ahead. She's five steps ahead of that guy. Like they're walking in the door. She's like, Oh, Hey, that's Mr. Johnson. I know Mr. Johnson. I'm gonna go over and say hi. I asked him how his kids are. Cause like I met his kids last time. She's so on top of the ball on that. And I try to pull whatever I can. I mean, she, she's, uh, she's truly a next level when it comes to, to, to the amount of attention to detail and service that she provides. I try to just bring a little bit of that into the marketing world because I think that's really where the marketing world lacks. I mean, yeah. what, to, yeah. what type of anticipatory services there in marketing? You know, you know what I love doing? I love emailing a client or calling a client saying, Hey, this, this paid ads campaign I was running for you uh, over on Facebook, we're hitting a little bit of critique, uh, creative fatigue, man. Like all these people have seen this ad four or five times now. We got to change this up. Let's do this up. And and they're like, oh wow, like you're you're watching my ads for me. You're you're paying attention to to what you're doing and making sure I'm getting a, a good return on this investment. And, and that's I mean, it's next level service, but it's not that hard to do. It takes me five minutes to jump in your Facebook ads and look at and see you know how many times. See, okay, well your your impressions on this is twenty thousand people, and only five thousand people have seen it. Means they've all seen it four times. Now, four times is probably enough times for them to see that ad. Let's let's change this baby up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not that difficult, but it is truly like it's attention to that next level detail. And, and one thing that, that I really pride myself on over here is I have six employees. We're not a big company by any means, but you know I have a another veteran-owned business who he helps me on the website design side. He, he's a, a website guy, so him and I contract work out back and forth to each other. Uh, I have a, another veteran company that does some graphic design work for me. So I, I try to work with veterans as well. Um, mostly because I know that they'll, you know, if I have to get a little lippy with them and tell them, Hey, you guys aren't getting, getting your stuff to me in time. Like that, they know, you know, I'm coming from a place of love and an honor and respect. Um, but also like my company, there's six people in this company. We have one sales guy and, he, and he's the guy that's talking to you. I, I, yeah. I'm so big on the production side. I want to ensure my clients are taken care of because I'll tell you of, of all my clients, I'd say two thirds of them are referrals or uh, I mean, lately because I've been doing a lot of podcasts, people get to hear me on a podcast and they, they kind of like how I do business and, and want to get in touch with me that way. But so much of my business is referrals and it's because I take really good care of my clients first and foremost. Yeah. And then from that more business is going to come, you know, I, I practice what I preach. I, I put online, you know, some of my clients success stories and I'll post about Marvel because 
I love Marvel movies. You know, I, I love me some Spider-Man and some, some X-Men. Yeah. Like I, I find those, those differentiating factors. If somebody likes Marvel, they get on my, my social media page. They're like, oh, this, this is cool. I'll, I'll talk with him for a little bit. Or they hear Man, me on why, podcast, why don't you know? say Spider-Man? I, look, I love Marvel. I don't like right. Spider-Man, but that dude right there, my, my son, I'm going to let him talk to you about Spider-Man. The last movie just came out. Awesome. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that next one, man. We don't, we don't got to get into Spider-Man, but I do love it. I do love it. We got to talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, but but again, it's, it's those differentiating factors. It's just like, yeah. you know, Harry Potter doctor and, uh, you know, talking to the local community attorney. It's, it's the same thing, man. Like you got you have to have those differentiating factors. You have to have those attributes about yourself that, that people you know, people enjoy, people like to work with, people want, you yeah. know, I, I get excited when some of my clients call me because I'm like, yeah, man, what's going on? Like, how, how was that last time you're on the golf course? You know, when, when we, when my clients hit one year with me, because I'm passionate about golf, I love golf. Um, my wife takes me to a golf tournament for, for my birthday every year. You know, that's, that's what I like doing. Um, so w- when a client hits one year with me, I sent him a sleeve of golf balls, got my little logo on it. I sent him a gift card to a local course. Of course, it's got enough, enough money on there for two people. So I forced him to take me. I'm like, all right, cool. Here's your present. When are we going golfing? And you know, now you, you build this relationship with this client because you're out on a golf course with them for four to four hours, five hours. Um, I'm usually beating the brakes off them out there trying to take <laughs> some money too. So, uh, <laughs> so but but you know that that type of relationships and that that's the that's what's important in, in the marketing world. And, and you know, the better I know that guy, the better I can market for him. So. <laughs> And it's wow. it's one of the tough things about you know there's there's a lot of like especially with attorneys there's a lot of big box marketing we call it big box marketing it's a, they take you they put you in their box and they they slide you down the conveyor line you know you get some generic social media posts some generic this you know nothing special they're not paying attention to you and, and we try to be we try to be the the antithesis of that we try to yeah. try to care we try to you know I know they're not going to care about me until the, you know they're not going to care what I say until they know I care about them you know so yeah, and, and I do I try to try to practice what I preach and you know it's it's worked out for us so so far so good you know and paul man thank you so much man i mean I, I love what you're doing you're so passionate about this which is so important i mean if you're going to do something you got to be passionate about it and when you're doing something like that for small businesses especially you know owning a small business you know you, you never know really what's a good a, a good service out there so I, I appreciate what you're doing can you tell everybody just your website again yeah any information how they can find you what's the best way to find you yeah, uh, easiest way to at least grab a grab time on my calendar is if you go to Zmot Expert. So Zmot, that's the zero moment of truth. That's that moment in the technology has given us our ability to compare us all. So if you go to Zmot Expert, Z M O T E X P E R T dot com, that is my uh, that's like my, my main landing page. That's what's got access to my socials, access to uh, some form submissions, my calendars right on there. Uh, if you want to check out our main website, it's hashtag dash smart.com. And, uh, you know, even, even though I like to tell my team, I'm not all that creative. Uh, I do like pushing a lot of crazy stuff on our website. So you'll see like spinning brains and some kind of like experiential stuff that's pulling into that, uh, into that smart side. Also, you know, got some cool animations in there with some American flags. Cause I, you know, even though, my time with the service was not not the best after I got out. I still do uh, love being American. I, you know, Captain America is my favorite of all the Marvel superheroes. Um, so I am uh, still play that card a lot. And 
Last thing would be Instagram. You go to it's hashtag smart marketing, all written out on the Instagram. And that's about the only one I look at. Uh, if you hit me up on LinkedIn, it's uh, LinkedIn backslash Zima expert. I don't go on LinkedIn all that often because I get solicitations out the wazoo over there. As soon as you have owner written in that title, I get like 20 messages a day. So um, yeah. over there, it's not as good. So th- those I'd say would be the best ones, probably Instagram and zmotexpert.com. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. We'll make sure we put those in the uh, in the show notes so people can go to that and be able to find you, man. And and for those looking for a great marketer, sound like you got you got a great one here in Paul. So so Paul, you know, uh, this has been a really solid interview. I want to go ahead and, and, and put the period on it. I feel like you've just shared such great insights. I loved hearing your story and things you did in the service and how you end up being where you are. But uh, but yeah, so before we before we close out today's call, I always want to like ask this final question to everybody we interview. And it's, uh, you know, when your life is over, what do you want people to remember you for? That's actually a way tougher question than I expected. When, uh, when you first sent that over to me, I was like, oh, what do I want to be remembered for? Um, because I do kind of think of myself as a bit of a polymath and, you know, I'm, I'm good at kind of everything. But I, I think more than anything, I just want people to, to think that I cared, that I cared about them yeah, more than anything. Because I, I think in, in our world right now, it's very, very divisive. We're very, you know, segregated. We're always getting told that the other guy's the enemy and everything. And, and I, I truly try to live a life. We're all here doing our thing. There's, there's, it really is an abundance world. I mean, there's, there's way too many people out there that truly need help than, you know, like me, like I got no problems I and mean, I got a wonderful wife. I got a kid on the way. I got a growing business. I, I want to, I just want to leave the world better than I found it and, and be sure people know that I really cared about them, even if I didn't know them personally, you know, but, that I wanted to do whatever I could make their life a little better. Wow. Awesome. That's awesome. People don't, don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. care for Very true. I love it. Awesome, Paul. Man, this has been awesome. Uh, appreciate the interview. It's been a pleasure hearing from you and hearing your, hearing your story. Thank you so much for putting that last period on this Combos of Heroes interview. And I'll go ahead and pass it over to my dad. Before I do that, please reach out to us, championsforveterans.com, if you guys are interested in learning more about what we do outside of this podcast. So, Pops, you take it from here. All right, guys. Hey, listen, it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal conversation, man, with Paul, man. I'm telling you, he's blown me away as a marketer to have actually a schedule. Wow, we're going to have to talk after this call. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to finish this uh, like I always do. We're having a conversation with an American hero on Convos with Heroes. This is Ranger Johnson telling you, stay. <laughs>